I'm Joe Morgenstern, the film critic of The Wall Street Journal. Michael Moore starts Capitalism, a Love Story, with a sequence of security camera videos showing holdups in progress and ends it by showing himself like some vigilante version of the environmental artist Christo stringing great lengths of yellow crime scene tape around banks and brokerage houses in lower Manhattan. His latest film isn't really a documentary. It's a freewheeling denunciation of the capitalist system that's often very very funny, and depending on the moment or the scene, scornful, rambling, repetitive, tabloid, shameless, and agitprop powerful. As the son of a General Motors auto worker and a child of the 1950s, Moore was brought up to believe that American capitalism would provide an ever-rising standard of living for ever greater numbers of his fellow countrymen. According to his current belief system, capitalism is evil, sinful, predatory, self-destructive, and doomed. An alliance of giant banks, corporations, and brokerage houses has hijacked American democracy and a workers' rebellion is either simmering or has already boiled over. In the ever-expanding universe of talk radio yammer and cable TV pontification, Michael Moore may sometimes seem like just another flinger of opinions, but audiences love him and no wonder. He's a special kind of star, a buffo provocateur who knows how to manipulate the movie medium. As in previous films, his ambushes are both amusing and absurd. He arrives at the headquarters of Goldman Sachs in an armored truck and tells a guard, we're here to get the money back for the American people. He repeats his infamous 1989 confrontation from Roger and me by showing up at the now bankrupt General Motors, where a guard recognizes him and radios in a tone of too hip weariness. It's Michael Moore to see the chairman. Capitalism, a love story, combines sometimes tellingly and sometimes befuddlingly what we know, what we think we know, and what we fear about regulatory failures, revolving doors between corporate and public life, and the excesses of the financial sector. And it whips the frenzied events of last fall's meltdown into a montage that suggests nothing less than the apocalypse. Michael Moore aims to proselytize his friends and demonize his enemies, and his movie hits both marks. Clothes may make the man, but the woman makes the clothes in Coco before Chanel, and Fontaine's smart and sumptuous French-language account of the legendary designer during her early years when she, like her couture, was still ascending from Bas to Haute. Coco is played by Audrey Tautou, and she's phenomenal. Self-contained, tightly focused, sparing with her smiles, miserly with her joy, often guarded to the point of severity, and yet giving off a grave radiance at every moment she's in front of the camera. As befits a biography of a designer, the film is meticulously designed. That means most obviously the Chanel-inspired costumes. But the overall aesthetic predicts the spare, elegant style for which Coco Chanel would come to be known. It expresses itself in the restraint of Anne Fontaine's direction, the simplicity of Alexandre Desplat's score, and the precision of the script, which does mingle fact with romantic invention. Coco Chanel created part of her legend from her imagination, and the movie ends long before her notorious friendliness with Nazi authorities and occupied Paris during World War II. All the same, it's a special pleasure to watch Audrey Tautou's vibrant Coco taking in the world around her and turning it to her use in her fashion.
I'm Joe Morgenstern, and I'll be back on KCRW next week with more reviews.